Join me in prayer if you would. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather tonight. It's an incredible opportunity for us as a church. I think of the five that will be baptized tonight, Lord. I thank you for how you've worked in each one of them to come to this decision, to come to this point. And I pray that uh, tonight that um, none of the individuals themselves would be seen in the sense that um, this is about them, but that you, Father, would be seen. That you would be the focus of our evening, that you would be the purpose because you are the purpose for while we're here. And I pray now that as we dig a little deeper into what you have communicated to us about what baptism is, that you would stir our hearts once again, stir our hearts toward gratitude, toward your grace, and stir our hearts toward decisions, toward steps that we need to take in order to be a more committed follower of yours. And I pray now that you would speak through me, I pray that... um, your Holy Spirit would do His work. It's in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. It's an exciting night for us as a church. It's an exciting night for me personally as a dad um, because I get the privilege of baptizing my own son. So I'm just going to tell you up front, if I start getting a little emotional or whatever, just you know that at, at, um, as we start. But it's an exciting moment in our journey as a church because we get to participate in a mission that Christ gave his disciples 2,000 years ago. And so right now, in this very moment, on this night, we get to continue the mission that Christ gave the church 2,000 years ago. So we're going to participate in something tonight that's very ancient, very sacred, yet very now, very present. And so we're privileged tonight to baptize five individuals, five people that have said, you know what? I know Jesus, and Jesus knows me, and I am going to declare publicly by baptism that I am committing my life to live Christ and to make Christ known. And so that's what tonight is about. It's, a, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about what he's done in us and for us. Before we baptize the five that are going to be um, going in this wa- these waters this evening, it's important for us to understand what baptism is not and what baptism is. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, or I encourage you to turn there with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to start there. The book of 1 Corinthians, it's near the back of your Bibles. Actually, the book of 1 Corinthians is, an, is a letter that was written by one of the main church leaders in the first century. His name is Paul, and he wrote it to a group of Christians who were living in a city called Corinth. Now, the Christians in Corinth at the time were having some struggles. They were kind of um, bragging a little bit about themselves. It'd be kind of like me walking around and saying, hey, let me show you who autographed my Bible. All right, and I'm telling you that because by the person's autograph in my Bible, and it was maybe, say, a famous person, a famous pastor, a religious leader, maybe Billy Graham. Let's just say, hey, check out who autographed my Bible, Billy Graham. And my goal in telling you that was so that you would think I was more spiritual. And in a similar sense, that what was, that's what was happening in the city of Corinth amongst the Christians. They were going around saying, well, 
this guy baptized me, or this guy, this pastor, I go to this church, or this is my pastor. They were starting to brag a little bit. So Paul, in his letter to them, immediately reminds them that it is not about them. It is not about what church they attend. It's not about who their pastor is or who baptized them. He reminds them that it's all about Jesus. And in the beginning of his letter, Paul reveals to us something about baptism. He makes a clear distinction as to what baptism is not. And I want to pick it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. Paul writes, and he says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? And all the answers to those questions is the same. It's no. Paul then says in verse 14, he says, I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't even remember if I baptized anyone else. And then here's the distinction he makes about baptism. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Look at verse 17 again, because it's right there where Paul makes a distinction about baptism. He says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Here's something that baptism is not. Baptism is not the gospel. Now, the word gospel means good news. So you need to understand that baptism is not the good news that forgives us of our sins and makes us right with God. Because if baptism were, let's find the closest river, line everybody up, and plunge them underneath, and everyone's good with God. But that's not what Paul says. Paul even says, Christ didn't send me to do that. Well, if baptism saves us from our sins and makes us right with God then wouldn't a God have sent Paul to baptize people? Absolutely. But Paul makes the distinction here. He says, listen, Christ didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. He makes a clear distinction there. If baptism is what sets us free from sin, then we should just, like I said, find the river, dunk everybody, and we're all good. But then it begs the question, so then what is the gospel? What is the message to be believed that forgives us of our sins and makes us right with God? Well, later in the letter, and you don't need to turn there, but later in this letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 15, Paul reveals to us and to the Corinthians what this gospel is that will forgive us of our sins and make us right with God. In chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, Paul tells the Corinthians this. He says, by this gospel You are saved. So if you're here tonight going, please tell me what message do I need to believe in order to be right with God, secure a place in heaven, and have my sins, past, present, and future, forgiven? What is that message I need to believe? Paul tells you right in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, by this gospel, you are saved. By this good news, you will be forgiven of your sins and made right with God. And he says, here it is. By this gospel you are saved, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, and that he was raised. He came back to life, according to the Scriptures, and appeared. And that's the message that Christ sent Paul to preach, because that's the message that forgives us of our sins and makes us right with God. 
being submerged into this tank of water is not forgiving these five individuals of their sins. It's not making them right with God. It's not securing them their place in heaven. Only Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and fully trusting in him and him alone is what sets us free from our sins, forgives us of the guilt, and makes us right with God. So if you've been told... All of us have grown up in different church traditions, been told different things about baptism. But according to what God says in the Word, if you've been told that baptism earns you extra brownie points with God or secures you a place in heaven or forgives you your sin of your sins, then you need to tell that to the thief on the cross whom Jesus looked at and said, today you will be with me in paradise, and that man was never baptized. And if you have been told that baptism is what forgives you of your sins, then you need to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and you need to tell every person listed in Hebrews chapter 11 that they were wrong. Because every person listed in Hebrews chapter 11 is commended for their faith looking to Christ, and to my knowledge, not a one of them was ever baptized. So we need to understand, it's very critical, that as we baptize tonight, This is not forgiving them of their sins. Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and them placing their full faith and trust, submerging their trust and their faith fully into what Jesus did for them is what forgives them of their sins. And if you're here tonight and you're a disciple of a Christ and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and you fully submerge yourself into him, celebrate. Celebrate because you're rescued, you're forgiven, you're right with God right now in this moment, fully loved by the God of the universe. But we need to understand that baptism is not what forgives you of your sins. It's not what makes you right with God. Go to another passage in the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts was written by a man named Luke. And Luke records basically the first 30 years of the first century church. That's what the book of Acts is. And Luke was a doctor, so he was meticulous in his detail. And so he was an eyewitness of the church. He traveled with Paul, and he recorded all the different things that he saw and heard. And that's what we find in the book of Acts. And one of the events he records is Peter, who was an eyewitness and spent great time with Jesus. He, re- he records Peter giving a, a message, Peter preaching this gospel message about Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life and how by repenting of our sins and putting faith in him, we're set free from our sins. That's the message Peter's preaching. And Luke records that message for us right here in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 36. He's quoting Peter, and Peter's giving this message, and Peter says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Look at verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. Notice the progression. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to that number. 
Now, before I jump here and jump into that, that particular passage, I want you to think back to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It's the moment when Jesus gives the church our mission. What does he say? He says, go therefore and make disciples, right, of all nations. Baptizing who? Anyone? Baptizing them. Who's the them? The made disciples. And so we need to understand baptism, as we've already looked at in 1 Corinthians, is not the gospel. It doesn't make you right with God. But bat- and baptism is also not for just anyone. It's not for just anyone. It's only for the person that has accepted the gospel message. It's only the person, as it says here in verse 41, those people accepted the message. They believed full on with all their heart and all their life that, yes, Jesus Christ, when he died on that cross, he died for me to forgive me of my sins. When he came back to life, he was resurrected, and now he gives me that resurrection life. I put all my faith in him. It's only for those who have turned from their sins to trusting Jesus. It's those who've accepted the message. And in the first century, baptism was so closely associated with believing in Christ and what Christ had done for them. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12 and 13, we don't need to turn there, but Philip goes and he, he shares this message about Jesus and the gospel. And it says, when they believed, they were baptized. There's a progression. Belief in Christ, trusting Christ and him alone for the forgiveness of our sins, then baptism, then baptism. So that was belief in Christ, then baptism. So I want to tell you, if you have repented of your sins, you've accepted Christ's forgiveness, and you've received the new life he offers you, then what are you waiting for when it comes to baptism? You're ready. But if you haven't trusted Christ, if you haven't put your faith only in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you're trusting religion, you're trusting in yourself, and you're realizing over and over and over again that that truly never satisfies is because that's not the gospel. The gospel is fully trusting Jesus and what Jesus did for you on the cross. And if you haven't repented of your sins, you're here and you haven't trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins to give you a secure place in heaven and to give you his resurrected life, then right now, in this moment, the scripture says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You, right now, right now, now, can call out to Jesus and ask him to forgive you. You could, it could be now, it could be on your car, it could be at home, it could be at work. The Bible says, Who will, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, turning to Jesus, you will be saved from your sins. You will be. So I want to encourage you, if you're here tonight and you walked in and go, I don't know about this Jesus thing, but man, it's not baptism, well, okay, and it's all Jesus all the time, trusting him, putting my life, submerging my life into what he did for me, absolutely. You call out to him and say, Jesus, forgive me. He says, I will forgive you. And you, in that moment, are set free from your sin. You're forgiven. You become a disciple of Jesus. And baptism is only for those who are disciples of Jesus. It's not for just anyone. So what is baptism? Baptism. What is it? Well, look at verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I reference Acts chapter 8. Philip goes down and he preaches that message. People believe it. They get baptized. Acts chapter 10, Peter preaches the gospel message about Jesus. He says, hey, these people have received the Holy Spirit. They need to be baptized. You see the progression? Belief, baptism, belief, baptism, belief, baptism. Get it? Belief, baptism, belief. Okay, baptism is the first response of someone who's already been forgiven for their sins by Christ. 
It's the first, it's the first responder is baptism. You see that throughout the first century. And so if you've come to know Christ, you've put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your sins, and you haven't yet been baptized, I want to say, what are you waiting for? And I want to tell you, you could get baptized tonight. If you're cool with being wet the rest of the night, then you can be baptized tonight. If you've given your life to Christ. We have five. You could be six. You could be, there could be seven, eight. If you've come to know Christ and you've never been baptized, tonight could be your night. I want to open that up for you. If you're cool with, like, we got extra towels, you're good to go. So don't worry about that. But if Christ has rescued you from your sins, you said, you know what? I have never publicly shown that Jesus Christ has rescued from my sins, and I want to be baptized, and I want to do it tonight. Then when I invite the five to come forward here in a moment, I want you to come too. Because baptism is a first response of those who have already been forgiven by Christ. Baptism also is immersion. The word here used for baptize, and we referenced it in the video, is a Greek word. The New Testament was written in the original language of Greek. And so to find out really, it's translated in our English Bibles as baptized. If you go back to the original language of Greek language in which the New Testament was written, the word baptize means to immerse. It means to cover fully with the fluid. It means to submerge, and that's what we call tonight submerge. It was a word that the Greeks and the culture at that time would use to describe taking a garment and putting, in, let's say, like tie-dye a garment. Let's say you had a white shirt, and you wanted to color it purple, okay? And so you'd have that ink in a kind of a, a canister or something like that or some tub or whatever, and you'd take that garment, and you'd fully plunge that garment, all of it, into that dye, and you'd pull it out. They would call that process, the Greeks would, would baptism. They would also use the Greek word for baptize to reference sinking ships. Now, I don't know much about ships, but I know if they're sinking, I know they're submerging. They're going fully under. So that's why we here at Living Church, when we baptize, we take the person fully under and bring them out because we believe, based upon Scripture, that's what baptism is. Baptism is immersion, and that's what the first century church does, and that's what we as the 21st century get to do as our mission. So baptism is immersion. Go over with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. It's another letter written by the Apostle Paul, church leader, and he writes it to a group of Christians living in Rome at the time, and Rome was a difficult place to be a Christian. Lots of persecution. And in Romans chapter 6, and I just want to look at just a couple verses, we discover Paul reveals to us some some things that baptism is. Really, baptism is a declaration, and we referenced it in the video. Baptism is an outward declaration of an inside transformation. That's really what baptism is. It's an outward declaration of an inside transformation. And in verse 3 of Romans 6, Paul reveals to us, using the analogy of baptism, something about what baptism declares, because baptism is a first response Baptism is immersion, and baptism is a declaration. And he says to these Christians, he says, Don't you know, verse 3 of Romans 6, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That's verse 3. We were baptized into Christ Jesus. We're baptized into his death. Now, a week ago, our family had the privilege of having a week of vacation. We went down to the beach. One of the things that I love to do is body surf. 
Love to do that. Absolutely one of the greatest things I love to do with the ocean. And I don't know if you've ever body surfed before. We have the boogie board stuff, that too. But, and I used to do that. But man, now I love to get into the wave. And so if you've never done this, I'll try to describe this for you, okay? How I do it. I'm not a pro. Um, very amateur. So I'm standing there, and imagine I'm looking at them, waiting for the waves to come, right? I'm kind of watching the wave, and I'm like, that's a good one, all right? And it's starting to come, and you've got to time it, right? You have to time it perfectly. It, it's awesome. I so enjoy it. And so it's coming, and you're seeing it crest, and this adrenaline is pumping, and you're like, and so it comes, and it's cresting, and poof, I'm gone. Like, I just go in. I submerge myself into the wave, right? And, like, and my boys were doing it this time, and I'm trying to teach them, like, I'm some pro. Yeah, I totally go aerodynamic and cross my hands and my ankles. You know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I just get in this thing, and I'm going. And what happens is sometimes for those professional body surfers, unlike myself, um, well, yeah, unprofessional body surfers like myself, you just kind of let the wave go, and you don't, like, let anybody know in front of you that you're coming, because what happens is the wave totally covers you if you do it right, and it should totally cover you to where you'll run into people, you know, they're standing, you know, oh, sorry, so you kind of get up, sorry about that, you know, but then you turn around like, that was awesome, not hitting them, but the wave was awesome, and you're so, and what happens is you totally submerged into that wave. You go into the wave to the point to where people don't see you anymore. What do they see? They see the wave. You have a new identity. It's called wave. You no longer become Mark, body surfer. You become wave. And when Paul says you're baptized into Christ Jesus, you're baptized into his death, he's saying you get a new identity. You have a new identity. It's not you anymore. You're into Christ because Christ is in you. And baptism declares that, that when you put your trust in Jesus, just as Christ died, you died with Christ. That's how God sees you. You died with Christ. And just as Christ came back to life, you have new life when you put it in Jesus Christ. And you have a new identity. So if you're here and you've repented of your sins and you're a disciple of Jesus, it's not you people are seeing. It's Jesus people are seeing. And you should say, look out, because Jesus is coming through me, through his spirit in me. Baptism, it declares your identity into Christ. Look at verse 5 of Romans 6. He says, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him. Little note, when you're reading scripture, look for prepositions, because they're awesome. Okay? Just now back to the real thing. So he says, if you've been united with Christ, like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. The word with speaks of connectedness, union. So just as the moment you trust Christ for salvation, you get a new identity, you get a new union, a new partnership with you and Jesus. You're no longer you anymore. You no longer walk through life alone anymore. He's promised to be with you because he's in you. His presence is with you. And so baptism declares your new identity. It declares a new union. And then it declares a new allegiance. You have a new allegiance. Look at verse 11 and following of Romans 6. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him 
as instruments of righteousness. Baptism declares you have a new identity. You're into Jesus and Jesus is in you. You have a new union. You're with Christ. And baptism declares you have a new allegiance. You have a new allegiance because of what Christ did for you. You're now dead to sin and alive to God. That's who you are as a disciple of Jesus when you transfer your trust from self to Savior, self to Jesus. And as we get ready to baptize these five individuals tonight, it's so critical that all of us here tonight understand what baptism is not and what baptism is. And tonight is an incredible night for us as a church, as the church, to participate in the mission that Christ has called us to.